From Matthew chapter 2, the first 12 verses, listen for what the Spirit of God is saying to us today. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, uh, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with, his, with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Holy God, may your word be a light to our hearts, a guide for us in the way that you would have us go. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. On New Year's Eve, I was uh, taking smoked pork shoulder off of the grill and listening to our guests arrive at the front door for supper when I felt my phone vibrate with a text message. I dried my hands on my pants, and I checked my phone, and there was a message from my friend Mia, who is a pastor in East Texas. It said simply, last night I dreamt you died. Sympathies. I rolled my eyes and tucked my phone back in my pocket and greeted our guests. The next day, while fixing lunch, she texted again. I had forgotten to reply. Her message said, well, I thought it was funny. I replied, what if your dream had been true, and that's why I never got back to you? You'd feel really bad about Ellen having to read this. 
Mia replied, if you were dead, I'd quit my job and become a fortune teller. Mia's prophetic dream will eventually come true, but fortunately for the fans of home-cooked smoked southern barbecue on New Year's Eve, she is not predicting the near future and shouldn't leave her church job to become a fortune teller. This was, however, the profession of those who showed up at King Herod's door, asking for the child-born king of the Jews. They were fortune tellers of sorts. Some creative early Christian commenters imagined identities and names for these seekers to make clear that they represented different races and cultures, and so uh, they have become known to us as the three wise men or the three kings. But these details are not in the Bible story. Matthew never tells us how many they were, or their genders, or that they were kings. What the Bible actually says is, from the east, Magos, or Magi in English, came to Jerusalem looking for the child. Magi were trained in reading the stars. They were astrologers. They received messages through their dreams. Those who came searching for the newborn king were, in fact, stargazers and dreamers. What we know from Matthew clearly is also that they were foreigners. They were from a different religion, and God used their religious practice to lead them to the true newborn king, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior foretold by the Jewish prophets, Jesus the son of Mary and Joseph. So this Sunday is Epiphany, when the global church celebrates the birth of Jesus, the incarnation of God, uh, that was made known to those outside of the Jewish faith. Those whose faith did not have them waiting expectantly for a savior found one nonetheless in Jesus. It often happens that way, doesn't it? that our hope arrives before we even knew that we needed salvation. Epiphany reminds us that God finds us when we aren't necessarily even looking for or expecting God to show up. Epiphany reminds us that we who know Jesus is our hope and salvation can have a sure hope that the God who made God's self known to those outside of the faith acts the same way today, showing, leading people through their various cultures and traditions to the grace of Jesus. God led the Magi to Jesus even though they weren't expecting a Savior. God can lead anyone to Jesus in and through their own traditions and in God's own time, in God's great mystery. Great is the mystery of faith. What Matthew shows us is that sometimes those who are inside, the insiders, the true believers, the, the right kind of faithful, they don't act like it. And those who are on the outside, those who don't worship the way we do, who, who uh, are, are uh, often considered by the faithful to be maybe even sinners, are the ones that God shows up for and who know it when God does. This story of the Magi, only here in Matthew's Gospel, draws a really big contrast between King Herod, one who belongs to the faith of Jesus, 
and the stargazing dreamers from the east of the border coming to worship the king of the Jews and bring their gifts to share. How do we respond to the light of hope for all that has come into the world through Jesus? Do we respond like the Magi? The stargazers and the dreamers followed their faith and it led them to worship Jesus. And Matthew says, seeing the stars stop, they were wildly happy. Here is the appropriate reaction to Jesus' arrival. Overcome with joy, wildly happy. They wished to pay him homage, which means in the original Greek language of the New Testament that the Magi tell King Herod that they would like to bow down, kiss the ring of a new king of the Jews. The irony here is that the one they are talking to, Herod, believes himself to be the king of the Jews, as do the people of his kingdom. So a a bit of a surprise when he's treated like the friendly gas station attendant being asked for directions to the palace where the king's throne is a, a feed box for the cattle. There is so much mystery around these magi, but what is clear is that their faith has brought them hope in Jesus And their response is the only true reaction to the good news. Overwhelming joy and worship. As is often the case in the Bible, those who get it right aren't the ones expected to. No one would expect magi, those who are not even in the faith, to be among the first to come and greet a Messiah they didn't even previously know to expect. And yet here it is in the Gospel. We know to expect the hope of Jesus in our lives. We know because uh, he brings us the assurance of forgiveness, the confidence of grace, the embrace of unconditional love, the fulfillment of getting to be part of his mission of reconciling all of creation through love, the healing of all suffering. We know that because Jesus brings these gifts and these promises that we get to celebrate with joy and fall down to worship him. The hope of Jesus, it ripples out. Even as a child, it ripples into the Magi. It ripples in the gifts that they share. It ripples to the whole world across races and religions and cultures. Is this how we respond in our lives to the gifts of Jesus? Does it cause us, like the Magi, to offer our gifts in return for this great blessing of grace? Does the liberation that Jesus represents for all bring us joy and cause us to worship today? The gifts of Jesus, the gift of freedom, the nature of his radical inclusion and hospitality, his universal invitation, are not always greeted with joy, are they? Fear often ripples faster and further than joy, sadly enough. Another response to the arrival of Jesus is King Herod's fear. The Magi come looking for Jesus, and Matthew says, when King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. It's not uncommon for those in charge of nations to use fear to govern, is it? We know well enough, I think, that it's because many powerful people are themselves actually very afraid a lot of the time. 
People who are afraid stockpile wealth and weapons. They build walls and hire security. They, their fear is contagious. Now, I'm talking about Herod now. Herod was appointed by the Roman Empire to govern, to govern Judea, where Jesus was born. Herod was Jewish, and quite literally, Herod was the king of the Jews. But he likely knew that he was no rightful king. His response to the news that the true Messiah had been born was fear. Fear that he made sure spread around the royal city. It doesn't seem like it was too hard for all of Jerusalem to fear with Herod. It's amazing how quick fear can take hold. The results of a fearful ruler whipping up fear among his people is, as it often is, devastating violence. Herod tries to use deception. He asks the Magi to go look for Jesus and call him when they find the baby. He says, so that I may also go and worship him. Yeah, right. Like he'd actually bow down and worship a new king of the Jews. The Magi are smarter than King Herod, which is apparently not a great feat. In a dream, God confirms for the Magi what is pretty apparent, that the king was up to no good. They don't return to him. He is furious. And what follows in Matthew is that in his anger and humiliation, Herod orders the slaughter of all male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old or under. We know of no resistance. The people in their fear went along with the slaughter of the innocent. Fear rippled out from Herod and became a tsunami of violence. The good news of Jesus, the grace, the liberation that he represents for the oppressed, it's not treated as good news for those who profit off of oppression. Herod does his best to keep the threat out of his kingdom. He is now a nasty footnote in the history of Jesus Christ's mission of mercy and reconciliation. All of those who march in his line of fear and violence throughout history should be aware that they will go the same way. Because hope prevails. God prevails. The gospel truth is that God, our creator, became flesh in Jesus Christ. To call God incarnate king doesn't even come close to capturing the true power and majesty of Jesus. And yet, there it is. And there he is. What we do with the good news, that when God showed up, God did so in one like Jesus, and then behaved like Jesus behaved. What we do with that good news says a lot about us. The Magi respond to Jesus with joy, and that's the appropriate response, even in the darkness, even in the violence of the world, even in the illness and the poverty that comes in this life. Joy. That's not to say that we feel like being happy all the time. My friend Steve Hayner was the president of Columbia Seminary when he was diagnosed with a cancer that quickly took his life. Now, Steve walked that long road went through those treatments, those ups and downs, the hopes and the fears. He wrote about it. He wrote about it all to share with his friends. Steve was known to sign almost all his letters and emails 
joyfully Steve, even when the content wasn't all that uplifting. Here's what Steve said about joy, what it means when joy's source is Jesus. He wrote these lines as he died. He said, joy is dependent on who I am and how I am loved more than on my circumstances. It is happiness that takes a hit when circumstances go bad, but not joy. Our circumstances are too variable to be the foundation of our daily feelings about life. It's way too easy to equate blessing with circumstances instead of with God's loving embrace. The fact is, I'm blessed because I belong to God in life, in death, and in everything in between. Not because my circumstances are always the way I want them to be. Identifying that this is a dark time simply acknowledges the truth of my life, but says nothing about the condition of my heart. The mysterious strangers, the magi, when the light that they followed through the dark stopped above Jesus, were filled with joy, knelt down before him to worship, showered him with gifts. How is it with us? Friends, I don't think we should look to the news. We shouldn't look to the powerful empire, the wealthy, the ruling class, the Herods. For fear and greed will always drive them. Violence is their language. Let us look to the stargazers and the dreamers. Let us trust that God is speaking to us in a language that we know very well. And the appropriate response to the message that God has for us, the message that you are unconditionally loved, that embrace is to be filled with overwhelming joy, to fall down in worship, to offer our gifts, and to go forth in peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.